On Personally Speaking this week, our guest is Danny Burstein, seven times nominated for a Tony Award, most recently a winner for Moulin Rouge, a great actor, but also an incredible husband who talks about his involvement in caring for his beautiful wife, Rebecca, as she battled ALS. Stay with us. Personally speaking, I'm your host, Monsignor Chimlosanti, and one of Broadway's most beloved performers, Danny Burstein, joins me now. Danny currently stars as Harold Zidler in Moulin Rouge, the musical, which earned him a Tony Award for Best Featured Actor in a Musical this year. He has also earned previous Tony nominations for his work in The Drowsy Chaperone, South Pacific, Cabaret, Follies, Fiddler on the Roof, and Golden Boy. Danny Burstein currently stars as Ebenezer Scrooge in the new musical available to stream called Estella Scrooge, a modern retelling of Charles Dickens' classic, A Christmas Carol. Danny was married for 20 years to the luminous Broadway leading lady, Rebecca Luca, who lost her battle with ALS last December, and he's the father of two sons, Alec and Zach. Danny's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, his near fatal experience with COVID, losing Rebecca, and what he realized matters most in life. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the incredibly talented, wonderful Tony Award-winning actor, Danny Burstein. Danny Burstein is our guest. I'm delighted to have him on. Danny, uh, first of all, for a lot of our listeners and watchers around the world, tell us something about Estrella Scrooge. At first, I thought maybe you were doing cross-dressing, but you are actually Ebenezer. Who's Estrella? <laughs> it's Estella. Estella, and, and, okay. Yes. Uh, and she is, oh my God. Gosh, yeah, I I am I just just got here. <laughs> I'm in Pennsylvania. Ah. Forgive me, and I just just forgot the the actress's name that is playing yourself. <laughs> Do you have it there in front of you? I, I don't, but I can, I can tell our our folks around the world that to see Estrella Scrooge and particularly uh, what's Estella I'm, Estella Scrooge, right? Yeah. <laughs> to see Estella Scrooge. Uh, and to see Danny playing Ebenezer Scrooge, all they need to do is go to broadwayondemand.com or streamingmusicals.com. But tell us something about it. Is it a modern telling? Uh, an ancient- it, is, it, is an, it is a modern telling of the, uh, of the Dickens, of course, uh, novel, mm-hmm. uh, A Christmas Carol. And it deals with a woman who's uh, the great, great, great granddaughter of Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay. And uh, she uh, is, uh, I'm, see, I'm trying to think of her name. And she is Betsy, uh, Betsy Wolf. Betsy Wolf. I Betsy was going to say Beth. And I said, like, <laughs> forgive me, I just got to Pennsylvania. I have a house <laughs> out, out in Pennsylvania. I live in New York City normally right? and just made it here in time <laughs> for, this, for the interview. Thank you for um, that. Oh, not at all. Of course. Of course. It's an, an honor to be with you. But uh, so it's a modern telling of A Christmas Carol. And uh, she is very similar in a way to her uh, great, great, great grandfather, Ebenezer Scrooge, in that she is miserly and uh, she runs a big business and she's putting this uh, house in Chicago 
that houses uh, people with, uh, of, with very little means. She's putting them out of business because they're not making any money. Okay. It's a poor house, basically. So she's putting them out of business. And she goes there directly herself to uh, give them the news and finds out that there is someone there that she used to be in love with who is running the place. Okay. And then, of course, like the traditional story, she's visited by three spirits as she sleeps ah, there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Danny, my mom and I, who's 101, by the way, we watched last night the 1951 Alistair Sim version of uh, Christmas Carol. Is, is it intimidating at all to take on a role that's been done a number of times before by amazing actors? And you're an amazing actor, but how to find a new approach? Uh, it, it is intimidating. I'll be honest with you. Uh, that is, that is my favorite version, the yeah. Alistair Sim version. Yeah. He is brilliant <laughs> in that movie. Yeah. Um, so, but it is to answer your question. I, I did that also with because uh, because I did Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway and I played Tevia. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, what you have to do when you do revivals is you learn as much as possible mm -hmm. about the uh show i i read everything i could about fiddler on the roof uh i tried to and with this i you know i tried to watch all the other uh versions of uh of christmas carol and then just uh you you learn as much as you can you get all that information you sort of bring it into rehearsal uh with uh in a backpack if you will and then you sort of have to let it go because you have to make it your own as much right. as possible and make it as real as possible. And as the great Stephen Sondheim said, you know, anything you do, let it come from you, then it yeah. will be new. And um, that's very much uh, what you have to do. You have to go on faith that there will be uh, things that you will just naturally bring to it as long as you're doing the important things like making it as real as possible. And that's that's the goal, no matter what the genre is. I mentioned in the introduction, of course, about your work in Moulin Rouge and about your Tony Award for it. Um, I'm wondering okay. how are you? How's the cast juggling the reality that after all this time, you start again, you're you're uh, touching the hearts and minds of people who love the show. And again, we're grappling with the possibility of shutdowns. Yeah, well, we've had to shut down since uh, Thursday night. Yeah. And we shut down the whole weekend. We're hoping to get back tomorrow night, uh, you know, knock on wood. <laughs> um, and uh, but it's it's not easy. Yeah. It's not easy because you don't want anybody to get sick. And, you know, a few people have. Um, and so for the safety of everyone, you know, they're keeping the show closed until they're sure that we can all go back safely. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, now we were testing twice a week and then we were testing three times a week. And now we're testing every day that we have a show just to make sure that uh, everybody's OK. Uh, and everybody, as far as I know, on Broadway is um, starting that new protocol. And there are you know, we were doing pretty well with masks backstage. All the stagehands and dressers always wear masks uh, and the actors, of course, uh, when they come down, as soon as they leave their dressing room, you know, they had, they don't have masks on because they're about to go on stage. Right. But now we're, we're keeping the masks on until we're about to walk on stage. Just before we walk out, we take off our masks just for extra safety. Wow. Um, it is disconcerting. Um, but the good part is that uh, everybody who is um, 
vaccinated or boosted is not getting uh, that sick. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're very, very happy about that. And, you know, that just tells us that, uh, you know, the science is working and masks are working and boosters are working and vaccines are working. And if we keep going along that route, Mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe we can eradicate this thing once and for all. So it won't keep mutating and mutating. Danny Burstein, for our listeners and watchers, uh, has himself been afflicted with COVID and wrote a powerful piece about that experience. And and I think of all the wonderful things you accomplished in your life, Danny, I think for everyone who reads that piece, uh, hopefully it'll push them into the camp of saying, let's do what we need to do to stay well. But uh, whether it's in our church or uh, in our larger community, I'm still running into people who uh, they're not getting vaccinated. They won't wear the mask. They don't want to be told what to do. Um, This incredible uh, and and just you and I talking about it now, I'll get emails and letters from people saying, you know, I'm somehow wrong for saying this. But what do you do, Danny? Because you've used the gift of convincing to try Mm -hmm. to convince people. What do you do with those who are foolishly making of this such a political issue instead of the health issue that it is? Right. Um, You know, we never think twice about polio anymore. (laughs) You know, we don't think twice about rubella or the mumps because we had vaccines when we were kids in order to go to school. And they eradicated those illnesses. And because we forget, well, well, probably most of us weren't there, but how many people, how many children were afflicted with polio. Mm -hmm. And yet people pulled together to make sure that didn't happen anymore by getting their vaccines. And I can tell you, you know, having spent a week in the hospital where Mm. literally everyone around me was dying. This was the early days. It was March of 2020, early days of the illness before the vaccines. And I was terrified that the next person that they would be calling to go into the ICU would be me to be uh, put on a respirator. And they actually talked to me about putting being put on a respirator. And I just... I just didn't want it. And I, uh, yeah. I, I, if you spent 10 minutes in that hospital, you'd know that uh, you should get a vaccine, just if not for your own life, for the, yeah. the lives of the people around you. You could be asymptomatic, meaning, you know, right. you don't have any symptoms at all, but still pass along the illness to your children. Little children are dying, yeah. for goodness sake. And, yeah. and especially our senior citizens, anyone over 65, they're more susceptible or somebody with who is immunocompromised in some way. Why not help the ones you love and protect them? You know, it's, it's the, it's one of the most unselfish things that you can do. And uh, I'm not a religious person uh, at, 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 in per se, but I believe that when you're doing a kindness for the people around you, you're living your best life. It's a mitzvah. Yes. It's a mitzvah. Yeah. (laughs) My mother was raised Catholic. My father was raised Jewish. And my dad is a a, teaches ancient Greek philosophy uh, and has for over (laughs) 50 years. You've got it all. (laughs) I've got a lot. And so I was raised with, you know, basic moral values and and, uh, believing in people and love and kindness and and doing the right thing and uh, admitting when you're wrong. Uh, and I, I, there's something about the time that we're living in where I think people are just afraid to say, all right, I screwed up. You know, that you're was right, wrong. Right, Let, right. Let's, let's change direction because it's the, one of the bravest things that you can do. Yeah. Cha- you know, admitting that 
you know, you made a mistake or admitting that the, the path that you were on was not correct for you. Yeah. And you decide to change it and help yourself and the people around you. Yeah. It's a very brave thing. And, and I think the people uh, who are refusing to get the vaccine at this point uh, will hopefully come to that kind of an epiphany and, and see that, that it's not just about them and someone telling them not right. what to do. It's about helping the planet and helping the world and helping mankind. There are over 800,000 Americans alone mm-hmm. who are dead. So yeah. why would you want to keep that going? Yeah. And, and I'd add, if I can, that I think it starts, too, with our, our political leaders. I, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember John Kennedy, and, uh, and I love yeah. that he got on TV to say when the Bay of Pigs went south, at the end of the day, it's my responsibility. We made a mistake, wrong decision. I own it. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, look at that. We wish we yeah. had that now in national politics where people would say, I, I messed up, you know. Yeah, um, of but course. I, and it's okay. And then, you know, ironically, they gain more support. They garner more support yeah. after that. Because people see that they're human. Yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, it seems to me. <laughs> we like humanity. It's a good thing. You know? Danny, yeah. Danny, Danny Burstein, for those who may not know, uh, was married for over 20 years to the most beautiful, wonderful, talented actress, Rebecca Luca. And I don't know if I, you knew this coming in, but uh, Rebecca was a, a guest on our show. And, uh, oh, and I didn't know that. And I will send you too, because I found it recently, the uh, CD of our interview. But I mentioned it because one of my regular questions, and it was a question to her, was, mm-hmm. Rebecca, you could choose a billion people in the world to marry. What does Danny got? And then she explained what it was about you that uh, drew her to you. And uh, I, I think in light of her uh, incredible effect on so many people, yourself included, obviously, uh, I'd ask you the same question. We, we know the, the, the exterior talents of the woman, but what was it that made you say, I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman? Because her beauty was not just outer beauty, it was inner beauty. It had to do with uh, a kindness that I'd never known before mm. and a humanity and a decency and a love that she had uh, not just for, uh, you know, uh, her, her work and, and uh, the people in the business, but for every living creature. She was kind to everyone. She treated, she, of course, she sang before presidents and uh, <laughs> people of the world, uh, you know, uh, world leaders. And she treated the fellow who was the, uh, a guy named Patty who lives up the block, who's homeless, uh, who lives on the corner over there. Um, she treated him the exact same way she treated George Bush and, and Barack Obama and Gorbachev. She was exactly the same person. Wow. Um, she loved everyone. She was kind to everyone. And uh, she had this inner beauty that uh, it was literally like she had a light. There was something beatific about her. Um, and uh I'd never met anybody quite like that. And then, of course, her beautiful talent. You know, she opened her mouth to sing. And I say this all the time. Her heart fell out. (laughs) She was just, uh, you know, this pure of heart person. Um, She uh, she was uh, raised in uh, Helena, Alabama, Mm. about 20 miles south of Birmingham. And uh, she knew she wanted to come to New York to sing. And she worked as hard as anyone could ever work. 
and made it happen. And, but, you know, she also had this incredible innate gift Mm -hmm. and um, you know, everybody saw it and everybody who knew her loved her. She didn't have any enemies. She was like one of those kinds of people, just everybody loved her. And uh, you know, why she ever chose me, I have (laughs) no idea, but I'm certainly glad that she did. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, that's, that's the thing. She, my wife passed away a year ago from ALS and, um, that's what keeps me going. The fact that, uh, I have, uh, such gratitude mm-hmm. for the 20 years that we were married and 23 and a half that we were together all together. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I love her and miss her. Ironically, this coming Thursday is the anniversary of her passing, and uh, I have a lot of, you know, uh, mixed feelings about all that, uh, you know, because I just can't help feeling sad about it. But at the same time, I feel so damn lucky yeah. that I got to spend all that time with her. And we never, 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 never wanted to be apart. Yeah. We just loved spending time together. A lot of people, you know, actors, they do their shows on Broadway right. or, or wherever, and they want to go out and celebrate with friends and they want everybody to tell them how wonderful they were after <laughs> shows. Uh, not me. I, I couldn't wait to get home to her. Mm. And, um, you know, it was a very special, very, very special relationship. And uh, I know how lucky I am. Yeah. And uh, she fought extra hard at the end to yeah. um, get resolutions passed uh, for ALS research. And uh, one bill just did pass both houses of Congress. Oh. And now uh, President Biden will be signing it, a, a bill called Act for ALS. So uh, her legacy lives on. That's and uh, there are scholarships named after her and her alma mater in, uh, in Alabama, the University of, Alabama, of Montevallo, has named their stage after her and their main stage in the theater complex. And I went down there and spoke. Um, and I'm very proud of of everything that she accomplished while she was here on earth, but she did it, you know, she really did it herself. She was that kind of a person. She was very, very special. Um, Danny, I wanted to uh, mention to you, this is a confession, but I'm sure I'm not the first or the last. Uh, I'm one of the millions who, uh, I think it was right after seeing her as Marion, the librarian and the music man that, uh, I had a big, big crush on your wife. I want you to know that. Okay. Oh, oh sure. Everybody, I, I feel like in a way I have to share her with the world, you know, yeah. because, uh, you know, of course of her special gift. She just yeah. did that first time when, when she sang my white night yeah. in the, uh, in the music man, I was a wreck in the audience. <laughs> I didn't expect it. You know, I yeah. was just yeah. sitting there and of course, you know, you talk about the show and, but I hadn't seen it before. Uh-huh. And the first time I was in the audience, I thought I was going to, you know, ugly cry in the <laughs> middle of the music, man. Um, so I had to keep everything in check, yeah. keep hold myself together. Uh, yeah. But it was, a, you know, she was spectacular. And Lum- she luminous. loved that show. Yeah, luminous. You're yeah. absolutely right. And I think if you, if you asked her, she would tell you that that was her favorite role of wow. all time. Marion. Yeah. I want to ask you, too, because I run into this so often with people in my parish, but um, when you are the spouse and you get this ALS diagnosis, um, 
the reaction on your part? Is it fear? Is it I have to step up to the the, the plate and, and do what's necessary for this person I love? Uh, how am I going to rise to the occasion and do it right? What goes through the mind of a guy who knows um, she's going to face a lot, but but I've got to be both the central caretaker and the support and the encouragement to this woman who I adore? Well, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't thinking so much about myself. Mm. I was thinking about her. I knew that all those things were, would have to happen. Yeah. I knew I would have to step up. I knew I, that I would be uh, her primary caregiver. Uh, but what I didn't know was just how hard that would be. Yeah. Um, it's a good thing I didn't know how hard it would be and okay. how hard it would be on her, especially. But um, but especially when she became ill, because uh, she became she got the diagnosis at the end in November of 2019. And then the pandemic hit and I got COVID-19 and I wound up in the hospital <laughs> yeah. and then nobody would come to help her. So because everybody was afraid of getting sick. So I was her primary caregiver and I could barely, you know, walk half a block. Uh. But I had to, you know, get groceries and um, and do all the rest of the things around the house and make sure that she was taken care of. It was uh, very, very difficult at first. It really was. It was a difficult time. But then as time passed and people became a little less leery. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a group of people of Broadway uh, actors who came over and helped. And uh -huh. uh, really, you know, there was about 25 people who sort of who rotated in. And, you know, we were good about uh, making sure everybody was protected and that everybody mm -hmm. was wearing their masks. And I uh, got a little lax a couple of times in the house, you know, making dinner, that kind of thing. And people went, I'm taking this off. Uh, but everybody felt uh, like, you know, that they were safe enough. Mm. And uh, because, you know, we were so safe about things for the most part, uh, except, you know, at those last minute times uh, when uh, when she was getting close to the end. Um, and uh, so somehow we made it and we made it through uh, the good graces of uh, and the kindness of so many friends. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also just the fact that she was who she was, yeah. people wanted to help people yeah. wanted to be there for her. So um, I see her heavenly beams coming in through the window here. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, now heavenly beams is a perfect segue. So, um, you know, we've had all, all sorts of folks on the show, but one of the more, um, interesting guests was Ed Asner and he identifies in Wikipedia as, uh, what he calls an atheistic Jewish man. So when he was on the show, he was about 90. And I said, uh, you know, you call yourself atheistic Jewish. And I'm just wondering, as you are up in age, are you still an atheist? And he said, uh, uh, he said, let's just say, as I get toward the end, I keep hoping you people are right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mentioned that because he also said, he said, I want to believe in a heaven. He said, uh, and he loved his parents, apparently incredibly, he said, but I wouldn't believe in a heaven unless my parents were the best people I ever knew were there, too. Um, is it your hope that this concept of life beyond this life, of being reunited with people we love, that it's true? Well, it would be nice to think so. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm such a, 
uh, a doubting Tom, a doubting Thomas. <laughs> it's not a doubting Thomas. I, I'm, I, I, I see myself as a realist. You know, if, yeah. if there's something there, I can see it. And if there's not, then it's just, uh, something that maybe I, I is there because people hope it's there. Yeah. Um, and it's not that, uh, you know, I don't, I can't say who can say whether mm -hmm. it's absolutely true or not. Right. Uh, but if, if it is true, then yeah, I can't wait to see her. Yeah. You know, of course, uh, you know, after you lose someone, you, uh, you make all these deals with them when you're alone and saying, you know, wishing that they would come back, you know, mm -hmm. and just show you a sign. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. And, and if not, then, you know, if it's true, then we're going to have a wonderful reunion when we do see each other again. Well, if I get there before you, Danny, I promise I, I will try to haunt you in any way I can. I really Please do. <laughs> it's that annoying priest again. But one of the things Danny Burstein for our listeners and watchers has seen is one of the beautiful byproducts of this experience is uh, both his own illness and, and Rebecca's passing is, is something he says about kindness. And I, I found it interesting, Danny, in that the motto of our parish are just two words, kindness matters. And in this very hard-hearted world, it, it really has become more important. But listen to Danny, to our folks. Uh, I almost died in the hospital. People were dying all around me, and it did change me. But the most important thing was you have to live as much as possible and keep going despite all and be kind. And that's what lasts, being kind and putting goodness and love out there first. That's what lasts, the love that you put out into the world. And that's why you have an opportunity to do something for other people by kindness, then you should grab that opportunity. I encourage people to live out loud and to live as much as possible. Danny, we're going to close, but I want to encourage our listeners and watchers to get online and watch Estella Scrooge to see yes, Danny's it's, it's interpretation. Let's see Danny B. Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm looking for always a new interpretation. And, and of course, to go if they can to see Moulin Rouge. And Danny, the great thing about you is talk about a working actor. Margaret Colin is one of our, our dear friends. And I say, Margaret, mm -hmm. you keep getting wonderful opportunities, but she can't hold a candle to you, Danny. You work and work and work. People in so many ways get to see the various dimensions of your talent. But one of the greatest gifts you have, if I can close on this, uh, when we had Nicholas Sparks, the author, on, I said, you know, what's the what's the secret to a good marriage? And he said two words, choose wisely. And whether it was about uh, choosing uh, and being chosen by Rebecca or choosing to share right values with your kids or listening to your parents when they gave you right values, you have time and time again chosen wisely. And uh, you are really an inspiration to so many of us, a great talent, and a great man. Thank you so much for being on Personally Speaking, Danny. Thank you so, so much. That is so kind of you to say. As we end today's program, I thank you all for being with us. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can get me at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to see past episodes, go to YouTube and punch in personally speaking with Monsignor General Santi. And please don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally speaking is also available as a podcast, personally speaking podcast.buzzsprout.com. Or you can go to www.closeencountertv.com or www.ollmp.org you'll also find there our weekly mass and homilies i'm going to encourage you also to look on facebook at personally speaking with monsignor jimisanti we're also now on instagram at personally speaking podcast please share and let others know about personally speaking 
I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer of Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.